So, welcome to Gaia House. Welcome to this exploration we have together over the next days. Welcome to the excitingly, maybe optimistically entitled revolution in the heart. Let's let's see. Let's hope so. Mm, I was looking through the forms this evening and noticing that about half of you are coming to this as something new, as a new practice coming to Gaia House for the first time. In a sense of unknown, unfamiliar, not knowing what to expect. Although, of course, you may have filled in those blanks with a whole bunch of ideas. You may have a lot of things that you're expecting. So this is also by way of a reminder that you don't know what to expect. And the other half of you then, coming here, coming back, being familiar with this place, with this kind of practice. Some of you being very, very familiar. Some of you with many years of committed meditation practice, commitment to Dharma practice, to looking at life deeply in different ways. Very familiar with a retreat of a few days. Some of you familiar with longer retreats, been here at Gaia House for weeks or even months for silent, solitary practice. So a reminder for you too that you don't know what to expect. I think it's interesting that this practice and the teachings that underlie and accompany it throughout these days, can easily accommodate the variety of experience from some of us arriving uh, with uh, no prior experience in meditation, or a little, or very much experience. Because all of us actually are in the same boat, that, including me, we don't know what to expect. We don't really know what these days will hold for us what might show up in our inner life. So there's a certain pregnancy to the moment. And beginning a period of, pra- of practice. And that sense of potential. That sense of the unknown. And the willingness by coming here to enter into that, to enter into the unknown, rather, um, rather barely, rather nakedly, nakedly because a lot of the usual props that we have in our life, to keep the unknown or the uncomfortable at bay. The great props of the fridge, 
of the TV, of the various forms of defense and distraction that we employ to stay in some uh, comfortable zone, some place where we're not exposed so much to the unknown or the uncomfortable. A lot of those aren't available to us here, quite intentionally. So as to really offer ourselves as deeply, as fully as possible, the opportunity to look and see. What is it to be human, to be conscious, to inhabit body, feelings, perceptions, mind, the functions of our consciousness which we easily and often take for granted. What is it to really put aside time and energy and willingness to really explore the functions of of being conscious, thinking, feeling, perceiving, and the fact of being conscious. The extraordinariness that here I am, thinking, feeling, animated being. What's, what is that? What's the significance of that? How close can I be to that? What relevance might it have for my life? What transforming power even may it have for my life to get to know that as intimately as possible? the functions of consciousness and the fact of being conscious. This is what we'll spend our days exploring together. And so, as I say, we're all in the same boat, whether we feel very familiar with this kind of practice or not. Because the essence of what we're doing here together, the essence of Dharma practice, the essence that underlies our meditation practice, is one of contacting ourselves, contacting our experience, contacting our sense of our participation in the world anew, again and again, contacting anew in each moment. putting aside a lot of the things we think we know. Our accumulated ideas about ourselves and about others and about life. And contacting anew, contacting rather directly. Inhabiting our bodies our feelings, our thoughts. Not so as to rerun the old stories about what I think I know about my body, my self-image, my age, my gender, my shape. But to actually be in a rather intimate, immediate, direct contact with the living experience of body, of feelings 
of the sense of self that seems to accompany all my experiences. So I invite you to um, to undertake these days in the spirit of that willingness, of that intention, to contact anew, moment by moment, to come back to yourself again and again and again. This week will be a practice of coming back to ourselves. Every time we find ourselves carried away, caught up, lost in thought. So as you sit here now, just to see where your attention is. And hopefully there's some attention on the listening and the paying attention to what I'm saying. Maybe some attention in the looking as well. But as well as the looking and the listening and the kind of outward pointedness of that, really to let your experience arrive. Let the hearing, let the seeing come to you rather than reaching out for, rather than leaving yourself in the hearing, in the seeing. So as you sit sit here, really settling in to the sense of being here in a rather immediate, present, embodied way. Feeling your legs and your bum on the floor or on the chair. And as I speak, as the evening unfolds, just maintaining as much as possible this sense of inhabiting yourself, of an embodied presence. And if you notice that you've lost touch with that and that your sense of participation in the listening has become more abstracted, more removed from from your body, just to come back again. We've got days and days to come back again and again and again. Hundreds of times, thousands of times. So no need to give yourself any trouble for getting caught up, for getting led away, for getting abstracted, for forgetting your body. Seeing that there's been what we could call self-forgetting or self-leaving. It's just the opportunity in that seeing to come back, to reconnect, to be intimate with your own experience.
So this inhabiting ourselves, this being as close as we can, as intimate as we can with our own experience, and this is very much the kind of ground of this practice. We'll be in formal meditation, we'll be using our breathing quite a lot as the way to ground ourselves in our experience. In walking meditation, with the breathing, we'll be using the contact with our feet on the ground. The, the actual physical movement of walking as a way to stay connected with ourselves or to come back when we're not connected. And in fact, whether in formal times or informal times, the degree to which we can sincerely invest ourselves in being present is the degree to which we'll reap the benefits of this kind of practice. It's quite a challenge to really sincerely commit to being present from the first breath of the morning upon waking to the last moment of consciousness in the evening as you drift off to sleep. For those of us, particularly if you have a a little meditation experience, so you don't have the um, great benefit of complete beginner's mind, nor the benefit of a lot of training of the mind, you might just have enough to have had the great insight through your meditation practice that the mind tends to move a lot. It goes here and it goes there. I ask it very nicely, please stay here with me and breathe. But it tends to go here, it tends to go there. You might think, wow. It might seem like a daunting task to commit to being present. Moment by moment by moment throughout these days. But we're not asked to measure how much of the time we're present. The willingness to connect is what's important. And therefore when we find ourselves lost, when we find ourselves absent, oh, to come back. To cultivate the art, the skill of presence. Sometimes we can get into a lot of trying trying to be present, trying to feel my legs, trying to feel the breathing. And that try, trying trying, can lead to a very uh, tight, striving, struggling, uh, pressured way of practice. And out of that striving and struggle and pressure can come a sense of futility, despair, giving up, feeling hopeless feeling exhausted. And this, the work, we could say, the work of presence is not so much about struggling to be present, but about 
really relaxing into our experience, really settling into being in our bodies. And being really vigilant. If we just have the relaxation part, if we just have the settling part, if we just have the... Then it tends to be a kind of vague, spaced out kind of inhabiting the moment. If we just have the trying, struggling, striving, it tends to be exhausting. Pressured, tense. So the invitation is to, we could say, surf the paradox of deeply relaxing into our experience and being really watchful, really vigilant. What's the mind doing? What are the tendencies to defend or to distract? And willing again and again to let go of whatever abstraction, whatever fantasy, whatever regret, whatever projection, whatever uh, concern, whatever resistance may have taken hold of the mind in any moment. The willingness to unhook and come back. I'm just reminded, as I, t- as I talk about this kind of moment-to-moment um, moment, uh, precision, really. Moment-to-moment moment willingness to see where we are. Reminded of a, a story of a Zen practitioner who had great insight about nature of mind. Great depth of understanding about the nature of consciousness. And excitedly went to report to his teacher about his great understanding. And his teacher said, Hmm, when you came in, did you leave your shoes on the left side of the door or the right side? Couldn't remember. Too excited about his great understanding. And certainly for myself, after 20 years or so of being very involved in this practice and the last 10 years or so of teaching, my appreciation for the, the, the simplicity in some ways and yet the great transformative power of that kind of moment-to-moment willingness to be present has grown and grown. So I invite you to discover, or maybe to rediscover, 
the radical potency of coming back to yourself again and again in sitting in walking in eating in resting in the work period probably you've already been assigned a work period have you? yeah and the work period, of course, is very helpful for the running of Gaia House, whether you're working in the garden or cleaning the house or preparing food. There's a, there's a strong kind of practical uh, usefulness to the work period. But it's also very much about coming back to yourself while being engaged. So please, if you're cutting carrots, don't think that the carrots are the most important thing. If you're hoovering the corridors, don't think the state of the carpet is the most important thing. Where are you? How present are you to what you're doing? And in every moment that you discover that you're not present, get present. Stop cutting. Come back. Stop hoovering. Come back. Take a breath. Hmm. Hoover again. Cut again. It can be quite uncomfortable. Being with ourselves. We're not used to it. Our inner life tends to just want to escape from the discomfort of facing ourselves. The inco- so there's the pull from within to be elsewhere be apart from, be abstracted from our experience. There's the pull from outside, the endless demands on us from advertising, from entertainment. Strong encouragements inwardly and outwardly to get away from ourselves. It takes some quiet, steady discipline for that sort of counterintuitive willingness And partly it's uncomfortable because we tend to come face to face with the bits we'd rather not see, the bits we'd rather not acknowledge, the bits we'd rather distract from or defend against within ourselves. The trouble is, of course, with that distracting and defending, that these rather uncomfortable, dark movements within us are running the show. What in the Buddhist tradition are called the three poisons. Classical language, the three poisons of greed, hatred and delusion. Tend to be just what we bump up against. In coming back to our experience. 
our tendencies, in other words, towards compulsion, restlessness, wanting things to be different, wanting to be elsewhere, wanting it to be like this, wanting it to be like that, it can be pretty uncomfortable. It can be shocking, even, to sit with ourselves and recognise how strong that tendency can be to wish it were other, to wish things were different, to wish I was different, to wish I, di- I didn't have to see this, to wish it was lunchtime already. The first poison, huh? the poison of greed, the poison of wishing it were other, wishing it could be different, wishing I had, wishing I was. And also the tendency, and the second poison, the tendency to push against, to resist the uncomfortable, the unwelcome, the undesirable. Whether it's physical experience and discomfort in the sitting, whether it's emotional experience, some painful uh, memory or view about ourselves or about others. be uncomfortable to come up against not just the unpleasant experience of some discomfort in the leg for example and sitting but the tendency and we'll explore this as the days go by the tendency to resist to not want to push away the way we contract around and harden against uncomfortable experience and the way that actually that very hardening against is what makes it so hard to bear can be uncomfortable to be face to face with that tendency. And the tendency for confusion, muddle, for a sense of being lost, of doubt, doubt in ourselves, doubt in what we're doing. And the tendency for projection on others. He's like this, she's like that. Never, never spoken to them. But we can produce a whole story of the way they shuffle on their cushion. And what that means about them. So, doubtless... I don't want to paint too bleak a picture on the opening evening, but doubtless, over these days, we'll be confronted again and again by the uncomfortable truths of our own inner life. The tendencies to defend and distract the tendencies to reach out for, the tendencies to resist and push against, the tendency to be lost or doubtful, confused. And yet in staying steady and holding that willingness, that goodness of heart 
that says, let me be with the truth of the moment. Let me be with the truth of my own experience. Let me actually meet what's happening. Rather than distracting and defending. And that willingness offers us some really extraordinary gifts. The capacity to abide. The capacity to meet ourselves without having to do anything about anything without having to fix it, without having to make it better, without having to run after our various whims and compulsions that mind throws up. Oh, the relief in learning the art of abiding, of settling of really relaxing into being present with ourselves. Offers us the gift of starting to drop through the the layers that make up our everyday sense of ourselves and of our participation in life. The layers of what I want, what I need, what I think, what I believe, who I am, my history, my ideas, my wants, my relationships, my struggles, my this, my that, my, 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 my. Oh my, oh my. (laughs) And drop through these layers of ideas about ourselves these layers of compulsions and resistance and confusion into what it means to actually inhabit human life. What it means to know ourselves, to know life directly. Not what we know about life. We have this extraordinary capacity to know directly rather than merely to know about. When we know about, we tend to separate ourselves from the object of knowing, oh, I know about this, oh, body, yes, born in such and such a year, grew up with all manner of problems, um, developed in this way, this kind of education, that kind of this. All the things we think we know about ourselves has, of course, great validity and usefulness in our life. But our knowing about can completely rule the show. Often our lives are lived in so much knowing about that there's no room left for knowing directly. So these days are an opportunity to come back to ourselves. An opportunity to settle with ourselves. An opportunity to drop through 
to settle through some of the what we think we know about and to touch into to taste a direct knowing the capacity to be with what's happening to have a sense of that which is prior to our thoughts, our ideas, our feelings, our sensations. Prior to anything we think we know. That which actually animates our being. That which makes thought possible. Makes physical presence possible. This practice is very much in the spirit of an experiment. What's possible for us? Is it possible through this kind of moment-to-moment sustained willingness to be present to connect with, to discover a way of being prior to all our ideas about it that can be simultaneously both profoundly peaceful and extraordinarily dynamic, creative. Life itself, if we look closely, whether we look around us, outside of us, or whether we look within us, has those two qualities. If when we leave the hall here, we take a walk outside under the evening sky, if we just listen closely to life, that sense that in which it's all held, We listen as we sit here now to the silence. Spacious. Vast. Profoundly peaceful. And at the same time, endlessly alive. Creative, dynamic, ever-changing. So it's a pleasure for me to be here. Happy to come back to Gaia House.
And I'm really curious to see what our explorations together can reveal over these days together. These explorations that point to peace, that point to life's mystery, that point to the creative possibilities for our own engagement with it. And we'll see together in what ways that might show up in meditation, in teachings, in the small group meetings we'll have or meetings individually. So let's spend some time in meditation together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.